Morning, everyone. My name's Jennifer. For those of you that I have not yet met, I'm an associate pastor here, and I get to preach today, connected with our ministry fair. Um, just a little bit more explanation of what that is, just because it is so relevant to what I'm going to say. Um, there's going to be various stations in the gym highlighting different areas of ministry within the church. So our ushers ministry, our Sunday school ministry, our youth ministry, our seniors, and we are looking for people to serve in all of those different areas. And so people who already serve are going to be stationed at those spots that you can ask them questions. What is it like? What does this ministry do? What do you do? Why do you love it? And they're going to convince you to uh, partner with them and do that. So uh, that's what the ministry fair is. And I think today is really exciting. It's a day full of opportunities and potential for you because whenever we can get someone plugged in in the right place, a place that brings them joy and they can use the gifts and the skills that God has given them, then the whole church benefits. And we all get to praise God together for that. So I'm excited to see what God is going to do through the ministry fair today and how he's going to provide the right people for the right areas of ministry so the work that God's called us to will go forward in this community. But before we get going there to the gym, I want us to take a few minutes to think through what exactly it is. What is ministry? We might think it's that today we're just simply signing up volunteers, but volunteering and ministry are two different things. Ministry includes volunteering, but it's much more than that. Anybody can be a volunteer, but to minister, you need the Holy Spirit. So my sermon this morning is going to address two questions. What is ministry, and how do we minister? We're going to look at a different passage of Scripture for each of them, so this may be the first time you've ever heard a two-part series in one sermon, but I promise it's not going to be twice as long. I will keep it brief. Um, we are going to dive into these two passages of Scripture to try and understand what ministry is and how we do it. So the first passage is 2 Corinthians chapters 2 and 3, part of chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 2, starting at verse 14. So you can look that up in your Bible or on your Bible app on your phone. There's a Bible in the pew in front of you, and you can follow along on the screen as well. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 
So in this passage, the Apostle Paul is talking about his ministry to the church in Corinth. And his task was to preach the gospel to them and teach them to apply it in their lives through both his words and his example of living as a disciple of Jesus. There are many different ways we could define ministry, I'm sure, but based on this passage, I think we can sum it up very broadly as saying that ministry is when God uses us to spread the aroma of Christ everywhere. Isn't that beautiful? Through our actions, people can come into contact with the aroma of Christ, his love, his grace, his goodness, which they're going to be either drawn to or repelled by. I have a funny story about this. In the summer of 2018, uh, my husband and I took a trip down to Portland, and on the Sunday that we were there, we decided to visit a historic church in downtown Portland, the First Congregational United Church of Christ. It has these gorgeous stained glass windows and artwork hung all around in the sanctuary. So after the service, we were just looking around, and one of the pastors walked by. I had a question about the church, so he stopped and chatted with us. And then he said to me, so are you in the game? And I, I just, I didn't know what he meant. I just looked at him, and Al translated for him and said, he means, are you a pastor too? And I laughed. I was really surprised. I was like, yeah, actually, I've been a pastor for one year at White Rock Baptist Church. And he said, I thought so. We have a certain smell. <laughs> I wasn't sure how to take that at first. Uh, but based on this scripture, he's right. And it's not just pastors that have that smell. All of us who are Christians, who have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, carry the aroma of Christ with us everywhere that we go. Because we each have the Spirit, we are all ministers to God and to people. We are the priesthood of all believers, as we spoke about a few weeks back. Um, and as we serve in these various different ways that God equips us, then that aroma of Christ is going to get stronger and reach more people. So I love this, Im this image. Ministry is spreading the aroma of the knowledge of God. But I didn't choose this text only for that reason. I also chose it because it addresses one of the biggest reasons why people hold back from ministering. We don't think we're good enough. Verse 16, the end of verse 16 says, And who is equal to such a task? Who is worthy to represent Christ to people? Not me. Not you. But... We are ministers. God has made us ministers anyways. All of us who are in Christ are ministers of his new covenant, and we carry this responsibility to spread the gospel and make disciples. So Paul goes on to explain why we can minister anyways, even though we know we're unworthy. He gives us two, two ways to know if we're qualified to minister. First, is our heart sincere? And two, are people being affected positively? So in verse 17, he says, Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. So if you feel unworthy to serve in a particular area, well, first check your motivation. Ask yourself, are you wanting to do this for your own gain, for your own profit, to gain recognition or approval or to gain some kind of power or control? If not, if you're just doing it because you want to serve God and you see a need that maybe you might be able to meet, then do it. 
You're not going to do it perfectly, but that's okay. You're not required to do it perfectly. What's required is a sincere heart. And sometimes we've already been ministering for a while, doing something, and then the doubt hits us, and we wonder, who am I to be doing this? I can't do this. Should I really be ministering in this way? I'm sure Paul had those moments, too. He was called to be the very first apostle to the Gentiles. Can you imagine? Intimidating. And then when things are tough and there are challenges that we don't expect, we might say to ourselves, how do I know for sure that this is the ministry God wants me in? Well, that's when we can look around and see if there are any results. Paul looked at the people in Corinth as the proof of his calling. They were better than any letter of recommendation. He said, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you're a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. So he could see that because of his ministry, hearts and lives were being changed. Now, if your role in ministry is one that's serving behind the scenes, like making coffee or setting up and cleaning up or checking the kids into Sunday school, you may not be able to see directly how that ministry is changing people's lives. But if you zoom out a little bit, and look at the bigger picture of what your ministry team is doing, you should be able to see something positive. What does that warm hospitality of coffee and cookies do for our people of this church? What does the Sunday school do for children? Your little part in that ministry is necessary for the whole thing to achieve its purpose. We wouldn't have extended conversations with half the people that we meet on Sunday mornings if we didn't have coffee and cookies in the gym. And our kids' parents wouldn't have the ability to come into the service and worship and concentrate if they didn't know someone was keeping track of their kids, checking them in and out safely. So every small part contributes to that bigger story. So you don't have to be the teacher or the organizer or the worship leader in order to help change people's hearts and affect people's lives positively. We all have different gifts, and we all need, we need all the different gifts, all the uniqueness that each one of you brings to minister together effectively. No one's more important than anyone else, and no one's less important. We're all essential, every single one of us. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 17 and 18, Paul refers to the church as a body. There's quite a few times in the New Testament where the church is called a body, the body of Christ. And Paul says the body needs all of the parts that God has given it. He said, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So if God has brought you to this church, if this is your church family, then God thinks we need you here. We need you to minister in whatever way he asks you to. So once we're convinced that our hearts are sincere and our ministry is affecting people positively, we're still going to wrestle with insecurity sometimes because representing Christ before people is a big deal. But whenever we doubt ourselves, we can remember Paul's words here that our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. 
So we're not able to be ministers because we've somehow become good enough Christians or super Christians. We've learned everything. All our problems are solved and we have nothing but perfect health and unlimited time and endless love for people. Yeah, right. None of us have that. But we have the Spirit of God and that's all that we need. The fruit of the Spirit that he is growing in us. The gifts of the Spirit that he's given us the guidance and the wisdom of the Spirit day by day. That's what we need. We need to stay in tune with His Spirit, and then He will spread through us the aroma of Christ, whether we're leading a life group or sweeping the kitchen. doesn't matter. If it's done in dependence on the Holy Spirit, then it's ministry. So we're going to move on to part two now. Isn't that good? Whole sermon right there. Done. We're going to move on to part two. How do we minister? So for this question, I want us to look at Romans 12. This is a very familiar passage, but it's so packed with helpful instructions. Romans 12, verses 1 to 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is not an exhaustive list, by the way. There are many more gifts than just the seven that Paul mentions here. These are some common examples to illustrate his broader point that all the parts of Christ's body have a particular job. So you can't excuse yourself by saying, oh, well, I'm not good at any of those seven things, so I guess I'm not needed. Nope, you're not off the hook. Whatever the Spirit is gifted to you to do, whether it's mentioned in the Bible or not, we need that gift for this local expression of Christ's body, known as White Rock Baptist Church. We need you in order to function at our best. And so coming to that question of how then do we minister, I think this text gives us at least four principles for ministry, four attitudes or postures to take while we minister, no matter what it is that we're doing. The first thing is that we're to minister sacrificially. Verse 1 says, In light of how much God has done for us, we are to offer our bodies to him as living sacrifices. Ministry is not going to be easy. It is going to be a sacrifice. Sometimes we think that if we're ministering according to our natural or God-given gifts or talents, then it should be easy for us. But remember, ministry means working with people. People are complicated, and their lives are messy, and they have sin they haven't dealt with yet. All of us are works in progress. So we sometimes joke in the office that ministry would be so easy if it weren't for the people. 
And so just because we're gifted to do something doesn't mean we always feel like doing it. We don't always jump out of bed going, yay, I'm making coffee for church today. I get to get up early. It isn't always fun. Ministry is going to take effort and time and perseverance and sweat and sometimes tears. But we don't quit because we know God has called us to a certain area of ministry. Then we know it's the most meaningful thing that we can be doing with our lives. Our service is contributing a little bit to the kingdom of God. It's making an eternal impact. So we give up other things that we might want to be doing instead in order to minister because we know God is at work in us and through us, and we're excited to see what he's going to do. So in my mind, this is the main difference here between volunteering and ministry. Volunteering is something you do if you happen to have a little extra time on your hands. But for a Christian, ministry is not optional. It should have a high priority in our lives. We should be fitting other things around it, not squeezing it in if we think that we can. We should be sacrificing some of our pleasures or entertainments or hobbies in order to minister. We see examples of this every summer when we run Summer Kids Club, and there are volunteers there who have taken time off from work so they can be there to minister. They use up their vacation time to serve at Summer Kids Club. They could take a holiday, they could go visit their family, but they use their time to minister to kids in our community who need to hear the gospel. That's sacrificial ministry. This goes completely against the pattern of this world, which Paul says right in this passage, we're not to conform to the pattern of this world. The world says it's nice to serve others if you have some time and if all of your needs are met first. But the Bible says it's essential to serve others because that's how we worship God. Worship is not just 15 minutes of singing on a Sunday morning. It says our true and proper worship is when we offer our bodies, our time, and our lives as living sacrifices to serve others in the ways that he's called us to serve. So actually, we could have called our ministry fair today a worship fair. You would have been totally confused, but we could have done that. So when we go into the gym later, we can be asking ourselves, how will I worship God by serving in ministry? What might I need to sacrifice so that I can have more time to minister. The second way that we're to minister is prayerfully. Paul writes that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and that then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for us. So how are we going to become transformed in our priorities, in our values, in our character? How are we going to renew our minds so that we can understand God's will for us? Well, we're going to pray. We're going to pray constantly and earnestly and faithfully. We're going to pray on our own. We're going to pray together with others. We're going to pray through Scripture as we read it, asking the Spirit to give us insight. We don't pray just to ask God for stuff that we we want or that we need. We, We pray because we are trying to align our will with God's will for us. And we're asking Him to give us the vision to see the world and the people around us the way he sees them, so that we can represent Christ well in every situation. So prayer is listening to God, asking him to fill us with love and power to minister well. And I would venture to say that if we aren't ministering prayerfully, then our ministry is not going to be very effective. 
How's God going to spread the aroma of Christ through us if we aren't intimately connected to Christ? We've got to have that smell on us. The Bible also says he's the vine and we're just the branches. The branches aren't going to bear fruit if they're cut off from the vine. So that connection with Jesus through prayer is absolutely essential. This is why Lisa makes sure that our Sunday school teachers gather together every Sunday at 9.30 to pray. They don't gather to prep their lessons or get their supplies ready or organize their class. They get together to pray because they know that they could have the best lesson plan on the planet. They could say everything exactly right, but if the Holy Spirit doesn't touch those children's hearts, there's no point. And so this applies in every area of ministry. If we really understand what ministry is, that it's spreading the aroma of Christ, and it's not just work, it's how God works through us to impact other people for eternity, then we'll know that prayer is not something we can neglect. Special challenge to those of you who know that you can't go into the gym and sign up for something today. You know that because of your health or the circumstances that you're going through right now, that you don't have the energy or the time or the ability to serve in, in those ways. But what I want you to do is I want you to go into the gym and look around at the various ministries and I want you to commit to praying for one of them. And I want you to tell them you're going to pray for them. They're going to write your name down and say, this is our prayer support. This person's going to pray for our ministry. And that is important, you guys. That is not something we just sprinkle over the top, sprinkle a little Jesus on it. No, that is, that is the foundation of ministry. So if you can't sign up for something to do, prayer is something to do, but you know what I mean. Sign up to pray for somebody. And maybe they can even email you some of their requests for their ministry. When they're having a tough time, they'll call on you and say, pray for us. We need more prayers. And maybe you'll have other people that can pray with you for that ministry. Okay? So every single one of us has something we can do in the gym later. So third, we, we've said we're going to minister sacrificially, prayerfully. And third, we minister humbly. So Paul says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So we're to honestly evaluate ourselves according to the strength of our faith, not by how important we think our gifts are. Any gifts that we may have are not our own. They come from God, and they belong to his people, to his church. So someone with the gift of teaching is not a better Christian than someone with the gift of showing mercy. The person who's showing mercy to others may never be noticed publicly by the church. And that's okay. It's not what matters to God. He looks at our hearts. And so in his kingdom, the first are often last, and the last are often first. So whatever way we serve, we're to be humble. We need to be especially careful if our ministry is successful. If people speak well of us. We all like to be thanked and appreciated, but we need to be careful that doesn't go to our heads because usually the things that we measure as success, things like how many people were involved, how much money did we raise, how efficient was the organization of that event, those aren't really indicative of what God is doing in people's hearts. We can't measure that. And so he may choose to spread the aroma of Christ farther through a compassionate interaction in the foyer than he does through this sermon. And that's okay. It's up to him. 
because he's the one doing the work through us. So as we each play our part, keep in mind that we're not really the ones who get the credit for our ministry. God gets the credit, because without his Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. We're just his servants. The Bible calls us uh, jars of clay. We're like these broken jars that his light can shine through. We sang a song about laying down our crowns at the feet of Jesus. So we keep that in mind as we minister. When ministry is going well and people are telling us how awesome we are, we take that crown off our head and we give it to Jesus because he's the one who is working in and through us. So last, we need to minister specifically. We're not all the same. We each have a specific role to play in this specific place that God's put us. So there should be no comparison between one person's ministry and another's. Paul writes, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Different is good. We're not all supposed to be the same. We want unity in diversity. That's our goal. So you don't need to model your ministry after one person. You don't have to become like Billy Graham. You don't have to be Mother Teresa. You don't have to be C.S. Lewis. Every single person is unique. And I don't know where we got this idea that all Christians should be the same, doing the same things in the same ways, but we often feel that pressure. Oh, my friend is doing that. Maybe that's what I ought to be doing too. But resist that. Consider how God has made you and what you feel passionate about doing. So the purpose of the ministry fair today is to give you ideas and suggestions of ways you might be able to minister. It's to show you these particular opportunities where there's a need. But if you walk away from it today and you say, actually, my ministry right now needs to be something else, something that's not represented in the gym, that's okay. This is a ministry fair, not a guilt fair. Okay, do I need to say that again for some of you? Ministry fair, not a guilt fair. We do need people to help in lots of different ministries right now and especially in the fall. But if you sign up to serve out of a sense of duty or obligation when actually God's calling you to something else, then that's not a success. So we want you to find the way that God has made you to minister. And if you don't know what that is, then maybe you could try some things to figure that out. One suggestion I want to make is that it helps to know whether you prefer to serve with your brain or your hands. Obviously, we all have to do both, depending on the situation. But some people feel more motivated and excited about doing brainy kinds of things, like organizing the library, or planning events, leading discussions, serving on the board, managing the finances, playing music up here, teaching a Bible study, or working on redesigning our website. Those are kind of brainy things. And other people are more inclined to do the hands-on things. They want to decorate and deliver bread and cook meals, clean up the garden outside, play sports with the youth, run the sound booth, fix leaks in the church. Oh, thank you guys for fixing leaks. <laughs> and um, for serving coffee. You know, this body, this church, needs both its brain and its hands. And some people can do both well, but usually we tend more towards one or the other. So if you know which one, that kind of gives you a little bit of guidance in your serving in ministry. Personally, I would much rather lead a Bible study than cook for a big group, but I still need to eat. And the cooks still need to have someone 
teach the Bible. So we need each other. And you should never feel that what you're good at or want to do in ministry isn't the right thing to do. There is no one right thing. There's lots of right things. And so what is the specific right thing that you can do at this season of your life that will help spread the aroma of Christ to others around you? Whatever it is, Paul says that we should do it as well as we can. He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give that encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You see all those things in there? Generous, diligent, cheerful. Have a great attitude about it. Be excited about it. Do it as well as you can. And Colossians 3, 23 to 24 sums this up really nicely. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So let's keep that in mind as we go to the ministry fair today. This is about serving Christ by serving each other. And ministry is one of the ways that we can worship him And he's going to use us to spread that aroma of Christ to the community that really needs to know him. As you look at the different opportunities, let's ask the Holy Spirit to direct us to where each one of us needs to be. Maybe it'll be something you've never done before. Maybe it'll be be something you feel you've done too much. But keep your mind and your heart soft and open and listen for his guidance and his voice in that process. Because we're not just signing up volunteers. We're placing people in ministry roles. And we need to do this thoughtfully and prayerfully. So would you pray with me now, please? Lord, you know every single person in this room, every single person watching online, every person in the building who is currently serving somewhere, all of the children, and you've put each and every one of us here for a reason. We need each other. And most of all, we need you working through each other so that we can serve you the way you want us to. Lord, would you help us? Lord, many of us are tired. We've been serving in ministry for a long time. I pray that you'd encourage those who are weary that you would give new strength and courage to people who haven't served before in a particular way, that they would step out in faith knowing that they don't have to be competent because their competence comes from you, God. You will work through them and in them if you're calling them to a particular way to serve. So would you guide us, speak to us, both through your Holy Spirit, through one another as well. May we encourage each other and help each other in this. And we, Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of serving you. It is an honor for you to ask us to serve, for you to use us. We don't know why you want to use us and not just do it all yourself, but Lord, you want that. You want to know us and have us partner with you. Make us joyful in that partnership, Lord. Thank you for your word, which inspires and encourages us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.